the Wheezy and Busy Show. <laughs> how are you, Wheezy? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well, and I'm really excited about this week. You know why? Why? Because we had someone write to us and give us a topic. Great. How what fun is, is that? That is fun. We always ask. Here's her email, because guess what? She gave me permission to actually give her a shout-out. So here we go. I'm going to read her email. <laughs> and she goes, got a topic for you. And this is from Leslie in Virginia. She said, I've been doing a lot of thinking about becoming more self-assured and confident in our lives and decisions once sober. I guess this kind of falls under the codependent. But basically how to have more self-confidence in sobriety slash recovery. I have found new hobbies now sober, mainly breeding show chickens. My husband says I'm overboard with it, but I'm sober and clean, and that's so important for me and my family. How about that? Love, Leslie in Virginia. I love that topic, Leslie. Thank you so much for reaching out. And um, giving us that topic because I think it's really important to find, you know, get self-confident. And it's hard to be confident at times, especially when someone else we care. Like I know when my husband says things to me that make me second guess myself, I don't feel confident. Right? Yeah. And it's hard to go out on a limb and say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be confident even though I'm not always feeling confident. Well, and I think especially in early recovery, and I mean, when I say early, I'm just going off of my own um, recovery coming up to, well, I'm at a year and five months, but I think that, um, you know, you, I didn't, I lacked confidence um, just because I was kind of entering a whole new, a whole new life, a whole new world. Um, and, you know, it just takes time to build that confidence, um, you know, getting hobbies or interests, you know, such as hers, you know, whether it's it's showing chickens or whether it's, you know, uh, knitting or doing artwork like I do, you know, there's, there's so many things that especially, you know, when I first got sober, I mean, I, I was, I transferred every bit of my addiction over to shopping and, and that's pretty common. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of friends that have also experienced that, but you know, it goes away over time. It's just, you know, you just definitely do transfer it. It's, and, um, but you know, once that kind of dissipates and, and balances itself out, you know, you start to look at what you're really interested in. And you start to realize you have a lot of time now that you're not drinking to be able to pursue other things that give you joy. Exactly. And I can say for me, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, that was my number one hobby was my drinking. I mean, when people would literally say, well, what do you like to do? And it would be my answer would be drink. I mean, I didn't have anything else I really liked to do. Um, I wasn't a really great athlete. Um, I looked good in my outfit, but that was about it. I was always the slowest. I was always the last one picked for kickball. One of those sad girls. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the, the fact that I didn't have any hobbies, it was huge when I got sober and I had all this time on my hands. I had all this time 
And I didn't even realize how much time I had wasted worrying about my alcohol, like when I was going to get a drink, how I was going to get a drink. I mean, it literally consumed my entire life. Don't you agree? I do. And it, and it really did for me because it wasn't just um, the amount of time I actually physically drank because that was, that was a lot too. Um, but, but also just the other side of it, which was, all the time that you invested in, you know, trying to get rid of it, trying to remember where you left it, trying to, you know, just get it out of your car to throw it away. And, and just so much thought that went into it besides the actual physical drinking. And, and then just the time that you wasted hungover because you weren't at your best. And, you know, so, it, I mean, once that's gone and out of your life, there is so much room for so many other things and I and it's just I mean it's exciting for those you know just in early recovery I mean it is exciting to figure out what you, what it is you like to do or want to do and it could be something you've never really even thought of but you know for me I I, I definitely like I just started to do training for hospice to do respite care something I've always wanted to do but truthfully in my heyday when I was drinking, there's no way I was going to be able to, as much as I wanted to, go to someone's house and, and stay and sit with, you know, uh, someone in hospice and, and keep them company. I mean, I have all good intentions, but it wouldn't have happened while I was drinking. Or if it did, I would have I would have been let go within, you know, a couple of days. So... You know, it's just, it just, it definitely opens up like a whole new world. And it's hard when we get, you know, when we have to learn balance in life because I never had balance. And I don't wouldn't say I always have the most perfect balance today, but I do try. And when we do get involved in something we love and one of the things I absolutely, and I still do, and when you mentioned shopping, like, I love to shop, like, to the point that my husband really can't stand it. Um, he's like, do you really have to go to Nordstrom's Rack again? And I'm like, well, I do, because I swear when I go to Nordstrom's Rack, I get lost in the racks, literally. I just don't even, you know, I just get there, and I don't have to think about anything, and I just look, 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 and I just love it. I love finding a deal. It's just the whole game of it to me. And I do that. And I know that it isn't always the healthiest thing to do. I don't need 47 pairs of shoes, but I have them, but that's okay. But still, you know, we all have vices, like you mentioned. And, you know, Leslie having her vice of her chickens, I think that that sounds, I mean, I think it's great, but if it causes problems in your relationship, that's when you have to go and take a deeper look. love about doing the, you know, the prison commitment and now taking on this hospice is that, um, you know, I don't have my children every, I mean, I have them every other week. So the weeks that I don't have them, I mean, that was my biggest worry when I got out of rehab and I had to, you know, and I was adjusting to a life of not having my children for one week at a time. And not that I don't see them, but I don't have them here physically with me every night. And so my biggest concern was what on earth am I going to do besides want to drink? Nobody's going to see me. There's nobody here. The dog's not going to tell on me. I mean, what, you know, it was just, it, it was 
it was terrifying because I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and you know, now it's not that I filling my time to make sure that I don't drink. It's just that I love having so much time that I can decide what I want to do and do things that are productive and, and give me joy and, you know, all that good stuff. And it's, but sometimes it, we do tend to, at least I have seen in my time being sober, sometimes we too tend to get too lopsided with one thing over another thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like we get mm-hmm. too overwhelmed and then it's like, oh my God, now what am I going to do? And I am the type of person that goes, oh my God, I'm just going to, I just throw up my hands. I'm like, all right, I'm done. And I walk away. And you know, what else is there to do? I mean, I mean, that's what I do. I just, so it's making sure, you know, making sure that you're in a place that you're, that you are, everybody around you is okay and happy. And I think the fact <laughs> that you're sober alone Sober, yeah. being sober alone is such a huge, huge thing. Most people can never, ever even get sober. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and one thing I was going to say, kind of to what to what Leslie was saying about her husband saying, or that she thought that she was that he thought she was over the top. You know, one thing I will say is that the people that are close to you, whether it's a spouse or a friend or you know, a family member, you know, they see it too, um, that when, well, I'll give you an example. <laughs> a good friend of mine found this toothpaste that was, you know, a charcoal toothpaste and it was great and it was, you know, it had just come out and it got great reviews and everything. And so she picked me up a tube of it. And my first thought was I was going out, I had the tube, and it was going to last me a while, but I had to go out and get, you know, whatever is left on the shelf. <laughs> you know, so, you know, is that over the top? Absolutely. I mean, they're not going anywhere. They're going to restock them. Once mine's gone, I could go get one. But it's in addictive, like, in that personality, you know, those are the things that we do. So, you know, you can laugh about it, and it is kind of funny because, I just, you know, I wasn't content with just one tube of toothpaste. I wanted 20. Right. I wanted a backup for my backup, you know. And so, you know, the the her chickens, you know, maybe she is putting a lot of time and energy into it, but it's it's fun. And it does, you know, I just think eventually it just, you know, unless it's impeding, you know, on other parts of her life, I mean, it's just, I think it's a great thing. I love it. I think it. it's a really great thing, but it is. I mean, I know that I can tend to be overly sensitive. And I, I said that to JF this weekend. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sensitive. I'm so sensitive. If somebody doesn't text me right away when I texted them or they don't call me back right away, I always go and I think about, like, oh, my gosh, they don't like me. They don't care about me. Oh, my gosh, what did I say? I mean, sometimes I'll even say, this is what the person said in text. Don't they sound like they're this? And, again, my husband will point out to me, like, oh, how can you say that a text message has any feelings whatsoever? It's letters on a screen. It means nothing. There's no voice there. There's nothing. And I'm like, okay, but my crazy head does this. And I think that when we want to get confident and we have things like that going on, it's hard. Well, it is hard. And I always go back to what you've always said to me. 
which is funny that you're saying that you do get, you know, sensitive and, but, but you've always said to me, you know, it doesn't, you know, what, what people think of you is none of your business. And it is the truth. I mean, I, I used to laugh at one of the women in, in AA was talking about, you know, just when she would get into a little bit of a funk or, you know, miss certain meetings or, or just not go for a while and she'd start to get a little squirrely. I mean, her, the biggest indicator to her that she was slipping into that mode was that she would ask people or send a text and say, are we okay? And we laughed about it because, you know, we're all guilty of that. And, and well, not we are all guilty of it, but I, a lot of people that I know it rang true for because you do get, I mean, whether it's a little bit of paranoia mixed with something else, I mean, you, you, you do worry that, you know, is everything okay? If I don't hear from somebody in, you know, a day, you know, what did I do? And not just, not just thinking that maybe they're busy or, you know, they had something else going on that I immediately jumped to the conclusion that I did something wrong. Are we okay? Um, you know, and that's right. It, <laughs> go ahead. And that are we okay? Because I go back, and that is that goes back to my original, you know, where I am when I was drinking because I always was ashamed. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to forget that. And you know, I haven't had a drink in almost thirteen years, but I still that part of me is still there, right? That shame yeah. and that remorse and that regret. I mean very easy to go and beat myself up and to what Leslie was talking about like that whole shame and that whole like feeling content it's hard and it's hard to be like I'm okay I'm okay and you know when I was first sober I'm going to go back to what I said earlier which is that you know if you get one day one minute one hour of sobriety it's a lot better than a lot of people ever get Mm-hmm. Never get. Yeah. And if you feel like somebody's being overly, you know, I don't know, critical of you and what you're doing, maybe you can say in a loving, kind way, honey, you know, I, I, I know I might be a little overboard with my chickens. Or for me, I can say, honey, I'm sorry I keep going to Nordstrom's Rack. I just, I know I have to get better at it, but I just, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good, and I don't. I, I don't feel like I'm hurting anybody. Yeah, and I mean, even time alone, uh, you know. I mean, it's. I love. I love just having nothing to do. I mean, besides the hobbies that I have. I mean, sometimes, you know, I have all all good intentions or think that I'm going to spend an afternoon starting a painting or something. But you know what? Sometimes it's just to just sit, you know, on the couch and watch a, a good movie or just relax and not. You know, and just be so grateful that that I'm not drinking or I'm not thinking about or I'm not, you know, wondering how much I have left and is that going to take me through the night and what's, what happens if tomorrow morning I wake up and I want to, you know, that, I mean, it's just, it goes back to what we were, we were originally saying. I mean, it's just so consuming and to just get this time back, I, it, it's insane how much time you get back. I mean, because... Time, it's, it's such a gift, right? And it's such a gift. And until we know, and I think until, unfortunately, until you 
a few unfortunately get a horrible diagnosis with your health, you know, you don't realize that time is such a gift and it goes by so fast. It does. So fast. Like, I can't even believe my son is going to graduate from college in two weeks. And my stepdaughter graduated from college this weekend. And your stepdaughter graduated from college this weekend. And, like, how that was so fast. It was. I mean, when I went to college, that four years seemed like eight, you know. And when I think about how quickly these last four years have flown by, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And Matt, and to think, I mean, for me, I waste, I, and I'm going to speak for me and I want you to speak for yourself, but when I think back to how much time I wasted drinking, and the other thing about the drinking for me is that because I was a blackout drinker, I don't remember. I don't remember. So I have all that. That's where all the shame comes back to. Like, so when somebody comes and says, oh, my gosh, you know, oh, what are you doing? I first go to, oh, I'm a loser. Oh, I'm a horrible person. Because look at this. I was a blackout drinker. I don't even remember years of my life. Yeah. But at this point now, and it's what I you know, talk to a lot of the women about when I visit them um, in prison, you know, there's so much stuff. And, I mean, there, you have to look at uh, from where they're at, and they're in a place where they're not talking. They're not trying. They're not they're not able to or given the opportunity to mend any relationships or, or, you know, undo anything because they don't have that opportunity. They're incarcerated. And, you know, and I always say, you know, it's not, don't, don't close the door, keep it cracked because I'm not suggesting that you, you spend your time thinking about what was said and what was done because there's a lot of people. I mean, I know one woman was, upset about the fact that, you know, the way she, when she went into prison, she had a horrible fight with her young daughter, young, young daughter, um, and her daughter won't talk to her. And, and it just seems so consuming to her. And I'm sure, I mean, when, when you don't have a lot going on and you're, you're, you know, behind bars, there's not a whole lot to think about other than your life and what, what has happened and why you're in, where you're in. And, and so, but but I try to I we try to talk about it and and realize that you know that shame and that remorse and all that stuff is is it's not it's not productive to think about it's not you shouldn't erase it and you know I'm not suggesting that people forget about it because I think those simple reminders here and there keep us keep us sober um, going forward but you know there there's Time takes time. We always say that, you know, um, we just, I, I just, I hate to have people, including myself, and it's taken a long time for me to get to the point where I don't, I don't concentrate on the things that I, that I messed up or I, or the disappointment I cause people or the sadness I cause people, the fear I cause my children. You know, I don't, I, it, it doesn't do anything to, to dwell on it. I just no. am moving forward, and I'm, I'm the best mother I can be, you know, and I think I'm a pretty good one. You're a really good one, and I'm a, and I'm going to say I'm a really good one, and I can't even believe, you know, the time and energy that's wasted, and then we sit there and we judge ourselves, and that's where it gets to the point, like, it's time to be nice to ourselves instead of sitting there and going, oh, my gosh, I didn't do this right, I didn't do that right, oh, my gosh. 
I'm, uh, you know, oh, I'm too involved in this. I'm too involved in that. I mean, get out of your head. And, you know, it is true. Uh, what other people think about us is none of our business. And I love to say that out loud. And I need to say it more often because sometimes I forget. Let's face it. I'm a born forgetter. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, how am I, you know, oh, what does this person think? What does that person think? Why, why didn't they call me back? You know, all that crazy stuff that our brains do. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's exhausting, isn't it? Well, and it's exhausting because there, there's an element that is gone now, thankfully, thank God, and that is that, you know, when you're saying, are we okay and all that, oftentimes it's because we really don't know. And when you say, you, you know, you were a blackout drinker, I absolutely was a blackout drinker. I didn't, I thought everybody was. And the the reason why I would get so, so um unglued is because I wouldn't have any idea if we were okay because I wouldn't have any idea what I said or what I did or, you know, that's the worst feeling to wake up and have to try to piece together something that you are never going to piece together, no matter how hard you try. It's, you know, it it made me want to drink again just to, just to suppress that horrible feeling. But the truth is it never it never works. No. Because it's still there. It's always still there. It's always going to be there. And I think yeah. that's a lot of the message that we try to get across is that, you know, it, it's it's horrible. And the, the first thing you want to do when you're feeling so horrible is pick up another drink to just, to you know, just to medicate yourself and try to forget about it but it just never goes away and when you get to this side the side i'm on right now i mean there's just nothing like it i I just can't imagine going back to that oh it would be horrible it's just horrible so like just getting a day getting minutes like we're talking about and just being okay okay and it's like literally learning to you know learning to walk again you know, it takes time. I mean, for so long, you live a certain way, and then you decide to change that way of living. And give yourself the time. Give your family members the time. You know, everybody's getting adjusted to a whole new way of life. Yeah. You know, and I keep having the same, the same dream for years. And this is a dream that I had when I was when I was drinking, and now I have it sober and it's the same exact dream and I would love to get it analyzed but I actually think I can do it myself but it's it I'm at my old house that had some property in the back and it was wooded a wooded area a wooded lot and the dream is you know in a nutshell that I had these cages out back that had these animals in it and one particular animal was a panther and they were they were big you know, like zoo animals in the backyard, but way, way back that nobody even knew they were there. And every dream I have is that I'm at a point to which I realize that I forgot about them and I did not feed them and I did not give them water and I, I did not take care of them. And I slowly wake my way back there and they're, you know, they're almost dead or there's one dead in the cage. And there's, I mean, this is so deep and so crazy, but there's, you know, you can dissect it, but it was, it was that feeling, that fear of neglect, that fear, and not that I neglected to feed anybody or give anybody water, but it, there's, 
there's some, you know, there's something there that was always haunting me that, you know, when I have this dream now in my sober life, you know, it just, I hate it and I wish I wouldn't dream it, but it almost just kind of gets confirmed to me how, how horrible and sick that feeling is. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it unnerves me to, to I, I can't even describe the way it makes me feel, but it truly is the same dream and the same animals and the same, this little tiny breath that I can just barely see on this one animal because, and what I did to it. So it's just a, you know, it's haunting, but it's not, I, I, and I want them to go away, but it also makes me remember, you know, that, that horrible, awful feeling that I would have or wake up, you know, wake up to, um, when I was actively drinking. It was horrible. And so I don't know if all this is so much codependency as it is getting just feeling okay with you, Leslie. And that's what it all comes down to. It's like getting okay with you. And that's what this whole podcast is about. It's all about getting busy, living sober, and enjoying your life and not staring backwards so much. And being okay with the chickens and, and owning being okay. it, and uh, yeah, and 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 not over analyzing everything, and not not being too critical of yourself. That you know, now I still go, I still go to Home Goods all the time, but I'm not, I don't have a cart full every time I walk out. You know, now I kind of just go in there to just browse and and just look around, and it's not, you know, I don't have to get that high off of of buying $200 worth of stuff, I, you know, I, I just, I look, I don't have the money to to do that now, you know, and nor do I need anything. So it's, it's, but it's just giving yourself a break. I mean, getting to a point where you're sober is, is such a, it, it is such a blessing and such a, I mean, I'm proud of myself for what the hard work that I did, you know, and where I'm at today. And so I'm cutting myself a break and I'm learning that, you know, there are things that I, I love to do. There's things in the future that I want to do and, you know, all in time. And, you know, you just, it just balances itself out over time. Just, it just does. It does. And it will balance itself out. And don't be so hard on yourself. Just don't be so hard on yourself because, you know, these feelings aren't facts. You know what others think about us? It doesn't matter. All these little, all these little, what are they called? Oh my gosh, I can't, I just, what is the name of it? Cliches. Well, I mean, I'm going to throw them out there and throw them out there. But just so that you can use them, Leslie, and anybody else who's listening, it's just realize that you just have to do living today and get through today. And if you do that and you haven't drank, that's all that's important. All the rest of it doesn't really matter. And you get to that place, you'll feel more balanced. It just happens. It just happens kind of organically because you feel like, all right, I don't want to listen to this anymore. I'm not going to get so into the chicken. Like Louise said, I'm not going to go to Home Goods for so long because I don't want to have a huge bill every week. <laughs> you know, it, well, it and it's just, also and not to be sensitive about, and I'm not saying that I encourage like judgment against, you know, people like ourselves that are like myself that is, in early recovery, but, you know, I used to get angry because if my daughter mentioned something about or made fun of me going to home goods, I would think, you know, like, 
why is she saying that I shot too much? Or, you know, cut me a break. But the truth is, I was. Yeah. <laughs> she was just making an accurate observation of me. I was shopping too much. But but she knew, you know, and, and it was okay. And, you know, I could have easily ran with it and thought that she was judging me or, but, but you know, I just, it's not to say I didn't care. I just, you know, I was doing my thing and I knew, I knew what was going on. I knew why I was doing it. And yeah, did I go overboard a little bit? Absolutely. But I'm okay. Yeah. You're better than okay. You're better yeah. than okay. Exactly. And, um, and Leslie's going to be better than she is, you know, and we're going to keep getting better and we keep getting better and better and better when we're sober. And it just gives us a life beyond our wildest dreams. Weezy, thanks for tonight, for today. And, you know, I'm, everybody, I'm doing this new thing on Thursdays where I'm inter- interviewing one person each week and just doing kind of an interview. And I did my first last week was with my daughter who's going to India. This week is with two women that have a lot of lot of sobriety and they're talking about event an event they host um the weekend of august 16th through 18th here in delray florida and it's going to be really interesting so please tune into that and please write yeah and please write to us we we will respond if you want me to say your name i will say your name if you want me to read the whole email like i just did to leslie i will do that please just reach out and know that you're not alone yeah thanks leslie Thanks, Leslie, and keep getting busy. You know, oh, by the way, my email address is busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com, and that's B-U-S-Y. And you can go on busylivingsober.com, and you can find my email address on there, too. And if you want to write to Weezy directly, too, I can send it directly to her. And until next week, keep getting busy living sober. Sober. Thank you.